What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'California. Hello! Verno! What up? Hey, man. So we ended up having a rather busy week in NBA news um, since we last spoke on Tuesday, not the least of which was... The president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas, being let go by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, I think everybody, when this story originally dropped, was shocked. Number one, uh, because it's typically not the time of year that someone is getting fired, especially with training camp right on the horizon. And the other thing is, though, it has not worked out very well thus far. These are things that you typically need to let play out. And he hadn't been there very long. <laughs> I mean, this was an extremely short tenure for somebody to run basketball operations. And so I think that originally there was a little bit of shock and then it was like, all right, you know the reporting's going to come out. You know the stories are going to come out. Why is this happening? And one of the things we learned, uh, John Krasinski, who we cited a couple of uh, weeks ago, he and Sham Sharania of The Athletic, uh, this, is, this is an important uh, quote. It was clear the heap of issues from office morale to the lack of success had decayed the Timberwolves front office, and sources say, they were the driving force behind the move. But why now? In recent days, the organization discovered that Rosas, who is married, had a consensual, intimate relationship with a member of the organization. The Athletic has learned from multiple sources. It made several people within the organization uncomfortable, sources said. While this was not the reason for Rosas' dismissal, it certainly impacted the timing. Quote, this decision was made for performance reasons. One high-ranking Timberwolves source said all right so what happened originally was there was a lot of reporting about office morale and basketball and performance and all of that type of stuff but inevitably when you hear that there was a front office affair to me that's like you came up with a lot of reasons as to why this guy was not doing his job that well or why you didn't believe in him and you could try to say after the fact, like, ah, it really doesn't have to do with the affair. I don't buy that for a second. I don't buy it for a second. 
I think that you, he had the affair. It bothered people. They didn't want to deal with it. And then after the fact, you come up with all these reasons as to why he is not the guy you want to lead the organization, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? I think the important thing to remember here as well is there's new ownership. Um, granted, Glenn Taylor is still technically the owner. Mark Lores and Alex Rodriguez bought that team. And I'm sure for them, they also want to get going here with picking out who they believe can best run this franchise as well. So whether the, the affair was their opportunity to do this now rather than waiting, um, I do buy uh, at least performance was a big part of it, um, at least in the eyes of perhaps new ownership. Well, getting right, along right, with right right others. Yeah, getting getting along, along with others. Yeah. Like you said, office morale and all that. Um, regardless of the reasons, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because they are hiring their you know executive vice president of basketball operations, Sachin Gupta, to be their new general manager. He was just hired a little bit over a year ago. From Sacramento, he previously had been with a bunch of different front offices. Comes as like this, you know, highly regarded, super smart, intelligent um, cap guy uh, and sal- and um, analytics guy. From what I understand, is he's very, very bright. So this is another one of those types of like numbers based GMs rather than like the old school, you know, basketball GMs. Um, not that he can't do both. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually gets the full time general manager gig or not because he only has the interim tag now but for the Timberwolves here this this overall though regardless of who gets that opportunity this is just another another dysfunctional decision um, another dysfunctional thing that happened to this franchise the only question that we and we don't have the answer to it here Chris is is this the end of the dysfunction or is this just a continuation of all of the dysfunction that we've seen from years and years and years with Minnesota well, I mean, you know, we we're talking about, and this guy, evidently, I do not know Gupta, but he is highly regarded by yeah. many people I mean, that you like, and I like know. You know the name. It's like it's not often yeah. you hear a lot of like je- like ex- assistant names, guys in lower levels, but Sachin's a name I've heard about for years. It's like this guy's a future GM. But this is strange because yes, of the circumstances, is. according to the reporting uh, by Krasinski. It, it so these guys. They work together in the front office, and then Gupta wants to go to the Rockets, basically in the same role with for more money. So Gerson Rosas is mad about the timing of the request. It came right before the draft and free agency, which in their in their words made it impossible for the T Wolves to let someone with as much proprietary knowledge of the team's plans go to a competitor. The tension between Rosas and Gupta only grew later in August when Rosas banished yep. Gupta from the team's offices and granted him permission to Wild. seek employment elsewhere. Wild. The issue was resolved in early September after ownership got involved and Gupta decided to stay. So o- we're, look, o- let's ownership not getting like, involved is a key line there. Ownership getting right. involved. Yes. Um, they made so, their choice. Look, the T-Wolves were paying Gupta, you know, for his work, right? You know what I'm saying? So I understand that side of it, and I understand being irritated by it. On the other hand, you know, when you block employees from going elsewhere, um, you know, that's going to breed contempt, too. It just is. And so very, very difficult. Um you know, well, I think one of the things you wonder is why does this guy want to make what would theoretically be a lateral move and go to the Rockets? And so the, the, the whole story plays out where it's like these two guys in the front office obviously are not on the same page. And I mean, banished from the facilities. <laughs> like, And now the guy's going to walk in and he's in charge. <laughs> like. Just a strange deal to say the least. I, I thought I thought the line in that same athletic story was from an anonymous uh, person in the in the organization who followed Rosas to Minnesota, and they said it's hard. He's not who I thought he was. Right. And, and so I think that, that that speaks to even if it's like an off the record comment <laughs> being quoted in a story, even if people are saying that about somebody who is just being fired or about to be fired uh, kind, of, kind of says a lot here, but it seems like with this amount of dysfunction, uh, maybe it was a power struggle. 
um, between Rosas and Gupta. And ultimately, like I said, I think this is new ownership making their choice. And from a PR perspective, whether it's whether it's the affair, whether it's basketball decisions, uh, the D-Lo trade or, you know, the Culver pick, whatever else it might be, basketball decisions or affair or whatever. They took their window here and they chose their guy. And that's Sachin Gupta. And the question now is how is this, how does this impact the franchise? How does this impact what they're going to do with, you know, Ben Simmons trade negotiations? We don't know the answer to that. We don't know. We can only guess. Um, all I know is things will be very different there. And, and this this is the question though, Kev. And this is what I keep asking myself. I get it. I understand the dysfunction, the toxic culture, all this stuff. It all feels to me he's not the same guy that I thought he was, all this kind of stuff. Those all sound like things that, yes, people feel, but that they're saying now after the fact that the guy walked in and he got fired. Are they just throwing him under the bus? Is that what you're saying? Like just throwing him under the bus? What I'm I'm saying is all of these things that existed in Minnesota, evidently, do they all come to light and is everybody bagging on the guy if he doesn't have the affair? Because if we're talking about the timeline, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't like a small thing. When I when I originally tweeted about this story, this timing is way too odd. And I said, and we'll eventually get the stories. Something happened. Well, that something wasn't oh, just accumulation of all of this stuff. And then you just randomly decide a week before training camp to get rid of the guy that's running all of your basketball operations. The something that happened was the affair. (laughs) That's what happened, right? Like, I mean, that's the, that if we're looking at why now, and I know they can say after the fact, uh, It's not the affair. This is a performance thing. This is a basketball thing. This is whatever. Bro, nobody fires their president of basketball ops in September right before training camp. And and also, I don't think think you can necessarily say it's a performance thing. Uh, I think, you know, despite some of the iffy trades like D'Lo, some of the iffy decisions like Culver, overall, he dug them out of a hole with some bad contracts. There's a lot more talent on the team. There's a direction for the franchise right now. And the whole reason why they're even in the conversation for a guy like Ben Simmons is because of the amount of talent they've accumulated in the position that they're in. So, I mean, it wasn't all bad on the basketball side. To me, it's pretty apparent that this was about dysfunction with the front office and that probably started it all. That started the grumbling about what might happen with him. And then the affair was the final straw. And that's what gave them the window to do it. It was ultimately the reason why they did it. It's the reason why they could do it um, and feel comfortable doing it at this time because the timing like is just weird overall. Um, And that's why I come back to what I said earlier, Chris. We don't know if this is a continuation of the dysfunction for the Minnesota Timberwolves or the end of it. This could be the end. It could be right. Like it could be. But based on history, (laughs) no reason to feel that way. Yeah, I mean, you're having the guy that's now going to run your team is a guy that was just locked out of the building. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A couple weeks ago. Really? Literally literally a couple (laughs) weeks ago. (laughs) Banished. Yeah, Uh, banished. Oh, hey, you know what? We know this guy was banished, but now he's in charge. What? (laughs) What are you talking about? And all because he tried taking a job with the Houston Rockets. Right. A lateral move, and Rosas didn't want him going to a rival. Yeah. And the other thing that came up, which was fascinating, was, you know, reading about the, yeah, there were some that were upset about the, you know, the Chris Finch thing, right? That they went and hired an assistant from the Raptors in the middle of the season. I'm like, bro, that happened last year, right? Like if everybody, if if people were like upset about that, like now it's like, that just feels like an after the fact thing, you know? That it's part of. And again, all of these things are part of the story. I just... I roll my eyes at the idea that this that this wasn't triggered by the front office affair, which is rather embarrassing. And they, you know, and and then of course, I don't I don't deny that all these other stuff is true. What I deny is that things wouldn't have kept on going the same if he didn't have the affair, you know. And so, uh, look. They, it's 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 a it's another sad tale. I feel terrible for Timberwolves fans. I mean, you go from Kevin McHale to David Kahn to you know, I mean, to Tom Thibodeau and let him run everything, and then you end up with you know Rosas, and this hasn't taken either. And so, 
Hopefully, at some point, they can find some stability. It might just take new ownership in order to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're getting that. It's right yeah, around the they're, corner. They're but that. you'd imagine that probably leads to more dysfunction before it leads to stability. Because usually they take over and they're going to install their own guys in all of the different positions that they feel comfortable working with. And so a little hectic right now. And I feel bad for the team, too. You know, they're about to start a season. They're about to start yep. a season, and it yeah, makes we, it difficult. Carl Anthony Towns tweeted in shock about it. I know. And the day it we, happened. Yeah. Well, look, one of the things that I opined when the news first broke was what happened? Like, something happened here. Was it the Simmons thing? Because they had been in a lot of those different articles, talks, et cetera, as part of a deal, maybe a part of a three-team deal, whatever that may be. And it it, it seems like that was not a factor in this deal in, 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 a, in a major way, right? It's not like him being let go by the Minnesota Timberwolves is in conjunction with a Simmons deal that hadn't happened yet or wasn't going to happen or whatever. Um, and then that's a whole other thing on that side, outside of the Timberwolves. Simmons seems rather resolute that he ain't showing up next week. And so it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch and to see how that plays out. I'm telling you, this could get ugly, very ugly. Uh, and it's very, I, I was shocked earlier this week when the Joe Lake up comments came out, him speaking. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it was supposed to be off the record, but this is the difficulty with interviews. Sometimes when you switch from on the record to off the record and he just straight up is saying in some ways, it doesn't really fit what we're doing. Speaking about the Warriors, makes a lot of money. Can he finish games? He there's overlap with Draymond Green. That makes a you know Joe Lacob basically said, "I don't want to trade for Ben Simmons," and he got fined fifty thousand dollars for saying <laughs> <laughs> for saying this guy on another team doesn't yeah. fit, fit with us. Uh, I'm sure it was all a big mistake, but um, taking fifty k out of his pockets isn't such a it isn't the worst thing in the world for the Lake of family. No, but, um, it, it's it, just it, very, very, it was very strange to see those comments pop up on the timeline. And I wonder though, are his comments a reflection of Bob Myers and the other decision makers in that front office of which there are many, um, or is it just his opinion in the front office is going to do what it wants? I think he has his own opinion on things. I mean, you remember it got very strange. It didn't get a lot of attention. But that whole draft time thing, when they drafted Kaminga and then he did his media availability and they asked him about the conversations he had with Steve Kerr and he said he had never he hadn't talked to Steve Kerr. <laughs> and he said he went out to dinner with Joe Lacob. Like that's just bizarre. Yeah. It is. Like it's, yeah, a, lot of, that, it's a lot of cooks with the Warriors. A I mean, lot of cooks. T- wait, the guy that you guys drafted went out to dinner with the owner without the other basketball well, I mean, guys. It's, it's like, just it's, odd. It's like I said at the time of the draft, Kerr was part of the draft conversation until he left for Team USA activities. And so like he was one of the people that wanted Davion Mitchell. Kerr did. Uh, front office did not as much as Kerr did. But then as Kerr leaves, his voice isn't as loud in the conversations there. Not that he was the guy making the pick anyway. Um, but I guess it's unsurprising to me, at least because of the timing of everything with Team USA and all that. that but it, yeah, it's even like a Zoom meeting, you know, not even a Zoom. That part's the weirdest part to me. Not seeing him in person. I get that. Well, and the other thing that you think when you read that is like, oh, no wonder the Warriors drafted him. The guy, I mean, that the owner, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that he defied his basketball people. I'm saying it probably didn't matter what his basketball people's opinion was. <laughs> After they had had these great moments going out to eat together, which I've just never heard of. That's just, that's just odd. It's odd for a draft pick and an owner to just go out to eat without the other basketball people involved. Who's going to coach him? Who's going to manage it? All these different things. It's just strange. So he's obviously very involved in everything. And that's a long winded way of saying, I, I don't think it's necessarily reflective of what Bob Myers or Steve Kerr or Anybody thinks they might feel the same, but what we know is it, it doesn't really matter to Joe Lake. You know, yeah. he's going to, he's going to say whatever he's going to say. Exactly. You know? Yep. And he got popped for it. The Simmons thing. I mean, look, we're clutch is very powerful in the NBA. 
They are. They're very powerful in the NBA. Um, it does feel like this is going to be a big game of chicken between the two, right? Yeah, we're, we're uh, rolling in the deep of this, Chris. Are you really willing to give up the money to not show up? You know? And, you know, if the deals aren't there and they don't like the deals that are out there, I don't know. I I mean, obviously, the stock's gone down in terms of probably what you could get in return leading up to training camp, but I'm not sure it gets any better. I mean, at best, you have a disgruntled guy showing up there, and that's not how you want to get things kicked off to start off your season. It's a, it's a mess. It is a mess, you know? And for, I a team, to, for a team with championship aspirations, too. That's right. And I do want to take up for Ben Simmons in this one sense, okay? I don't think it's fair to put a guy in trade rumors, let everybody in the free world know, because you've been on this show too, like, Daryl wants Damian Lillard. Daryl wants Brad Beal. <laughs> Daryl wants, you know, and everybody in the media is talking about this all the time. Last year, James Harden, right? And they And he just, I mean, at some point, after 18 months, if that's always the news about you, at some point you're going to break too. Everybody will, right? So I don't think they've done right by him. This is not one of those situations where it's like, I don't like the way the team's built. I don't like the, I don't like the way this is all gone. I want out of here in a place to win a title somewhere else, right? And I'm just going to, you know, napalm my team until I get my way. This one is a little different especially when you've had the best player say things that are not positive, the coach say things that are not positive, and the front office put you in, you know, trade rumors for, you know, a year and a half straight. Like, I understand being like, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I mean, I think... Matisse Matisse Thibel in his interview with JJ Redick and Tommy Alter on the Old Man and the Three podcast, he brought up the fact that he thought Ben Simmons was just thrown under the bus and it was unfair. He he said they they want to talk about him passing up the dunk and passing him the ball more so than him committing the poor foul down the final stretch of that game. That kind of got overlooked because of the Simmons play. Um, but I mean, he's taking accountability there too, saying, Hey, this isn't just one, one play, one decision that led to the serious loss. It was my mistakes too. It was an overall team loss. And you know, like he's not necessarily wrong about that either. And so for Ben Simmons, I'm sure for him, he's thinking similarly and like, really like pointing all the finger at me here. Uh, this is the last straw for him. So for Simmons, I think both things can be true. It can be true that Simmons is right to feel slighted. And right to be like, get me the hell out of here. I want to be somewhere else where I'm the guy and I have support around me. And But I think, also think it's correct to say that he was babied and coddled all year long by Doc Rivers, who constantly deflected questions about his usage, about his jumper, about his play, his ups and downs, and his inconsistencies. Always was in support of Ben Simmons, and so was Joel Embiid all year long. Until that moment when all of his limitations came through, not taking shots in the fourth quarter, not being a threat in the half court, being afraid, not making free throws. There's also some accountability that Ben Simmons himself needs to take too. We'll find that out this season if he did that over the course of the offseason. If there's been some evolution in his game, in his mindset and approach to the offensive end of the floor. But if not, that's a problem too. So I really believe both things can be true there. Ben Simmons is right to feel slighted, but he better be taking some accountability himself yep. too. That totally fair. That, I, I would just say it, it has turned into they lost to Atlanta because of Ben Simmons, and that's been wildly yes. unfair. Absolutely, it, and he was a big f- part of that, a big factor, but not the sole reason why they lost it. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. 
All right, we asked for we're gonna do a mailbag. Like by next week, we're gonna be talking about preseason games and training camps and rosters and all manner of things. Uh, but we're gonna do another mailbag to kick uh, or to end this off season. Our producer Sasha always has the questions for us. Sasha, what do we got this week? Hello, everybody. Hey, guys. Um, Hello, Sasha. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the Warriors, uh, I have one from Gavin who says, as a Warriors fan, I've heard analysis and come to the conclusion that the Dubs may have more varied possible outcomes than any other team. If Clay looks like himself, their veteran acquisitions fit in well and young players contribute, they could contend in the finals. If not, they could be back in the plan or worse. Besides the Warriors, what other teams do you see as having high variability of outcomes and which do you see as more, much more stable in their projections? The Knicks are a team that are variable in their projections, I would say, Chris. I mean, they were the four seed last year at 41 and 31. I could see them exceeding that. I could see Randall uh, either matching or exceeding what he did last year, winning most improved. I could see RJ Barrett taking a step forward as well among all their other young players that they have. But Atlanta could get better. Miami could get better. Boston could get better. The wizards are going to be better this year. The Pacers could be healthier. The Hornets and bulls could be better. The Raptors. Now that they're back in Toronto could be better. It's possible that the Knicks slip a little bit. Um, I could see them on the play in bubble rather than like in the top four in the Eastern conference. So they're the number one team that comes to mind for me with a lot of variability with where they could finish in the Eastern conference. This isn't necessarily fair in terms of the, the question of they could miss the playoffs. Um, and of course we know that health is going to dictate all of these different yes. teams. That being said, I could see a rather wide variance, uh, I'll give you I'll give you two that were non-playoff teams and then two that were. The two that were are Dallas and Boston. And the reason I say that is because I think both those teams were very well coached by Brad Stevens and Rick Carlisle, respectively, right? And those now it's Jason Kidd, who we do have a track record for, and it's not a good one as a head coach, and uh Ime Udoka, who has been uh Referenced many times for jobs in the past, comes very highly regarded. But again, you don't know until the guy's the coach for the first time, and he's given a roster that's expected to win right now. And so we don't know. But I thought Stevens and Carlisle were both very good coaches, so it'll be fascinating to see. And with uh, with with Denver banged up, with the Clippers banged up, Dallas. If, if if you looked up and Luca's the best player in the league and Dallas and KP's a year removed from recovering from meniscus and they're extremely good, that wouldn't be that shocking. If the Jason Kidd thing is a disaster, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, and then in Boston, same thing, right? Like I guess we'll see. Um, they should be better than they were last year, but they have a new head coach too. And then of the non-good teams... I would say just based on talent and where they could land, uh, Chicago, obviously with everything they had in the offseason, and the Pelicans, who now Definitely. rid themselves of Stan ones. Van Gundy, right? Like if the Pelicans were really good and Zion's one of the best five to ten players in the league, it wouldn't shock anybody. And the Bulls, I have no idea. I could see that really working or not working at all. You know, New Orleans is a interesting one. Uh, like we didn't even talk about the David Griffin report earlier this week about some dysfunction <laughs> in their front office either. Um, but a lot, 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 lot of front office stories this year. Please this tell week. me that you read about David Griffin in the bubble trying to patch or build a relationship with Zion. And he pulled him into a room and played piano for him. Beautiful. I wonder what song he played. You think he played Billy Joel, just Piano Man, just yeah, straight yeah. up? <laughs> she, she gives me my drinks for free. You're right. And he's talking with Davey, who's still in the Navy, and probably will be for life. And Zion's like, what the hell is going uh, how, how on? About, how about A Thousand Miles by oh, Vanessa yeah, yeah. Carlton? There you right. go. I mean, you just, I mean, you want to talk about being in touch with today's players. S someone oh, like you, God. Adele. Holy just mackerel. Just goes in there, yeah. 
I mean, I can't. How about some Alicia Keys? I can't. I can't Something understand. Like <laughs> some people want it all. You think that's, that's what he's singing to Zion? Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, I would. I would pay five hundred dollars to have a video of Zion sitting in there listening to David Griffin play the piano. How lame is that? I mean, what? You, you think you think he was trying to be young and hip, but he just goes in there and he plays Runaway. Maybe, maybe it was Runaway by Kanye West. Just a oh, simple, yeah. a simple thing to play. Maybe different. David Griffin doesn't actually know how to play Black piano. Parade. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, I, I wish there was a fly on the wall for that moment. Yes, <laughs> I did see that story. The piano but, but, part. But yes, variable outcomes. Yes. New, Orleans, New Orleans is one for sure. I'm with I'm with you on all of those, Chris. Yep. All of them. By the way, Chris, you mentioned the Bulls in there. The Bulls actually announced today that Patrick Williams sustained a severe left ankle sprain, and that's going to keep him out for four to six weeks. So that's going to keep him out into the season. And that's important for them. He's a big part of that team, versatile forward. Despite all their additions, he's a big part in that front court. And not having him is going to hurt early on in the year, especially if it lingers throughout the season. I mean, in terms of like the other side of the question, who do you see as more stable in their projections? I mean, assuming good health, it's the top teams yeah, or the bottom teams. It's the teams that on the extreme ends, like the Brooklyn's and the Milwaukee's versus on the other end, like the Rockets and the Magic and the the Pistons, where those teams are probably on the lower end Mm -hmm. and maybe at most, you know, playing bubble. I mean, the most stable is Utah. They're going to win a bunch yeah. of games. Yeah, they're going to win a bunch of regular <laughs> I mean, season games. They're yeah. going to win team. a bunch of games and then yeah. lose in the playoffs. <laughs> 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 don't, 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 you, don't you dare slander Rudy Gobert. Oh, Sasha. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I mean, for this Jazz team, this is a big season for them, though. If they just have another year like that, how long is Donovan Mitchell going to be like, yeah, I'm okay with being a good regular season team. How long are these guys going to think, oh, maybe the status quo isn't enough and big changes need to happen. Like Rudy Gobert needs to, he better come back this season and, and be able to beat a switch down low. He's gotta, I think you underrate him, Chris. We had a question somewhere in there about if you could change the basketball opinion of your co-host, what would it be? For me, it would be your opinion of Rudy Gobert. That, mm. That's what I would choose. That was from Adam from Washington, D.C., by the way. But um, like that, that's the opinion I wish I could change with you. But he does need to improve on offense. And this is a big year for the Jazz to make those changes and prove that they can be more than just a, a great regular season team. Anyway, sorry. Just for posterity, Chris, aside. what's the opinion of Kevin's that you would change? All the French guys. Uh. <laughs> all the French guys. He overrates all of them. K- Killian Hayes, Frank Nilakina, every one of them. Timothy Luau, which we, we which wasn't really a podcast topic for us, but uh, that was before we were together. Yeah, but Timothy Luau. Um, Nobody loves French basketball players you, you more know, than Kevin the, O'Connor. The funny, the funny Kevin, thing is, Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is back in 2013, I had Gobert ranked, I think, outside the first round. That's the one I missed on of the French prospects. Never again, you said. M- missed on Rudy. <laughs> but, but, but hey, I'll tell you what, Victor Wembanyama, the French prospect coming out in a couple of years, he's my savior, Chris. He is my savior. <laughs> I'm with it. All right, what's the next question? All right, next question's from Jacob. Are there any players you guys have your eye on as potential most improved player candidates this year? I'll uh, pull out the FanDuel odds here for most improved player. Right now, they have Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets as the favorite. And then just the rattle off oh, some oh, others. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't give them to me yet. Let me give you mine before okay. I haven't seen the all odds. Right. Okay, all right. Okay. See if, see if any of my guys are in here, all okay? Right, cool, all right. All right. The first name that I wrote down was Terrence Mann. Terrence, man, let me scroll yeah. down the list and see if I can find him on here. <laughs> I, I'm not seeing Terrence, man. So okay. he's plus 8,500. So he's way down the list. Terrence, plus- man, shot 51% from the field and 42% from three. Those are pretty good odds. I'll tell you that. If I wasn't a voter, <laughs> if I wasn't a voter, that'd be a pretty good bet. <laughs> well, Kawhi's out, right? Yeah, Kawhi's out. Be opportunity for him. That's a that's a good one, Chris. That's a that's a good one. I gotta give I you. I just that. thought I just thought there's a guy that has not played all that much. We don't know, you know, less than twenty minutes a game, and I'd imagine I'm a fan, and I think his role will. And he showed up in the playoffs too, and I think his role will. Uh, Will grow. 
The other ones I wrote down were R.J. Barrett, Garland. Okay. Garland was like 17 a game or something like that last year. We'll see what happens with the whole sex land backcourt. But, yeah, Garland was one. I don't know if you heard uh, Jackie McMullen did this interview with uh, Steph Curry. I, I believe she said it's for a thing with The Ringer that's coming out. And you yeah, know her, her podcast. Yeah. She said that Curry loves Garland. Hey, he, I mean, he must be listening to the mismatch too, Chris. Yeah. Must be listening yep. to us. Yep. We love so, we love Darius Garland. Is Garland on there? Uh, well, first of all, Terrence Mann I think is like fifty second. Oh God! For odds, plus eighty five hundred. Um, Barrett. Barrett is high up there. R.J. Barrett has a twenty second highest rank. Garland. Darius Garland has the fifteenth highest odds, plus thirty four hundred. So those are pretty good numbers. Yeah, the last name I wrote down was Maxi. Just. Assuming Simmons gets traded, but he's in second year. So that's not really fair. Yeah. Second year from Maxi. I'm not seeing him on the list from a quick glance here. Okay. But, um, there you go. There's my taco falls on it. Plus 25,000. Speaking of giants, I'm not, I'm not the bull bull on there. Plus 13,000. Uh, but but the first person on the list is Michael Porter Jr. As I said earlier, at plus nine fifty, and then after that, just to rattle some names off: Kevin Porter Jr., Colin Sexton, Jaron Jackson Jr., your guy, Chris, Dejounte Murray, Shea Gilgis Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, Zion, Chris Boucher, OG Ananobi, Derek White, John Collins, Christian Wood, Nikhil Alexander Walker, then Darius Garland, John Morant. So now we're at you know fifteen guys deep here. Of those, I mean, Michael Porter Jr., I'd say is rightfully the favorite. Would you agree on that? Rightfully the yes, favorite? Yes, especially even- in the absence of Murray? Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, right. even though he may not be the guy who wins it there, rightfully the favorite. I think... John Gildas- Morant? John Morant scored 47 points on the road in a playoff game. <laughs> Most improved? Okay. Yeah, but what if he goes from 19 what, points per game? 60, 60 on the road in a playoff yeah, game? Yeah, but, but, but what if he goes from like 19 and 7 to 26 and 9? Well, it could. Yeah, it could. Yeah, if, it if that, yeah, now, now, now you're getting excited. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, go job. It's not incomprehensible. I, I think Darius Garland's a good one. Um, I mean, they have Kuzma on here. I don't see that with Washington. Bradley Beal's going to score more than 31 points per game this year if he successfully extends his range um, as he said he's gonna but Bradley Beal he's not a most improved guy he's improved every year of his career like he's like the the eight year most improved player of the year even though he can't get it for one individual year Um, they have Tyrese Halliburton on here that's a that's a solid one Um, DeAndre Ayton maybe if we saw more offense from him I just don't see it but I don't know I I like the ones you gave Chris I think those are some pretty good ones I do that's crazy that the first guy I came up with is Terrence Mann, and it wasn't even like a yeah, no, <laughs> like 50, 52nd on there. I really like him. Like he he strikes me as the kind of guy that I think could end up being a real player. Yeah, I like that you one know? too. That's a good one. All right. What else we got, Sasha? From Matt in Halifax, Nova Scotia. As a diehard Raptors fan, I was wondering what your expectations for the Raptors are this upcoming season. Boy, talk about variance, right, Kev? I mean, it's not like they are without talent, but it's so hard to know in the absence of we have gotten so used to watching the Kyle Lowry Raptors. He has been a mainstay for that organization for a long time. Um, I, I I do like Van Vliet a lot. You know, I think probably people are a little too down on Siakam, but... That whole Siakam getting into it with Nick Nurse and them not necessarily being on the same page, like you do, you do worry about that a little bit when considering that's one of your best players. Um, don't they got decent return? At least they got some players um, for uh, for Lowry in the deal. I would just say, um, I think you're fighting for a playoff spot. That's what I'd say. So you're fighting for a playoff spot. 
I expect them to be better, Chris. Having all of their games on the road last year, I would imagine, is more difficult than we can even quantify in terms of how they produced. So now be, being back in a regular rhythm, being back in Toronto should help their, that team out. My expectations for them are, will they innovate? Will they be a team that does some weird, wacky stuff out on the court? Because you look at their roster. They just drafted Scotty Barnes. That's representative of what their roster looks like. These are the players on their team that are listed between six foot seven and six foot nine. And let me state, they have nobody taller than six foot nine on their roster. Nobody, but they have a bunch of guys, six, seven, a six, nine, Wantanabe, Siakam, Gillespie, Decker, Boucher, Birch, Banton, Bonga, Achua, Mikhailuk, Barnes, Ananobi. They have a heck of a lot of players that are big right, wings. I take it I, I, I'm sorry. I, I take it back. I take it back. After you release off the roster, I tell you, they're not fighting for a playoff spot. They don't have enough good players. Uh, you don't trust Ken Birch? What? what? For what? Trust him for what? I, I agree. I agree. To, Just to play oh. ahead of Mobamba. That's all. Oh, I mean, to pick apples off my tree. <laughs> I mean, he's a tall yeah, guy, Ken, but other yeah, than that. Uh, Ken Birch is a solid player. Let, let's, whatever. Who yeah, cares? He's, he's, he's a solid player. Jeez, oh, are you, are you, don't are you, try are to you kiss out. Yeah, Zach Lowe is going to be against you now. Zach Lowe is going to be on me. But you just listen off the roster. They don't have enough good players. They don't. That's not. What? Yeah. I mean, if I'm a Raptors fan, I, I'd be happy being in the lottery again. I'd be you really will. happy being in the lottery once again. Get ready to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to admit, though, it isn't what they're doing at least intriguing. With all of those guys, none of whom are true bigs, Birch and Boucher and Achua are not true bigs. Neither is Scotty Barnes. These are a bunch of big forwards, big wings, and then Van Vliet and Dragic and Flynn and Trent in the backcourt. But everybody else is a big wing or a forward. This team could be like pretty funky with the types of lineups they put out there. And this is a fun thing. The Barnes thing is super fun. Oh yeah, You know what I mean? Like, if your team's not going to be that good, you you get so excited to. There's nothing better than having a good rookie. And if Scotty Barnes is really good, then you get to tune in every night and you're so excited to just watch Scotty Barnes. And so I don't think that this is a team that's going to win a boatload of games. Uh, yeah, they might be better than the 27, you know, that they got last year. Um, but I do think the Barnes thing will be fun. If I'm a Raptors fan, that's what I would look forward to. I've lived that life. And you want your, you want this to look, this is about, did we just draft a guy that's got a, got a chance to be a big star in the league? And those first 82 games to watch that kind of, you know, where you get those glimpses can be an absolute blast. And so that's what I'd say. But they ain't fighting for me. You just list that off. Jeez. That roster is... It's a little bleak. Fight for a plan? How about the plan? No. Ten seed. You don't think no. even the ten seed, Chris? Really? No. No. I think they're better than you think. No, they're not. Look ten who's down seed? there. Not Look even who's... ten. I'm saying play in bubble. The ten seed. Play in bubble. You don't even see that? I do. Uh, I think they're going to be better than people think. I, I see I see the Raptors ranked in the 20s on a lot of power rankings. Put them a little, little higher than that. Late, late. Give me late teens for Toronto. Late teens. No way. All right. Good disagreement. But that's a ridiculous. That's a ridiculous. And, and, and by the way, I'm speaking off the top of my head. I haven't done my power rankings. Maybe, maybe, maybe it turns <laughs> out when you put that when you put that 26, I'm busting your ass. <laughs> but bottom line, though, is I, I think they're going to be more competitive than you give them credit for. Okay. They get a lot of talent on that roster. We're going to find out how much does Kyle Lowry's leadership and presence make a difference with the success of that team? Because a lot of their younger guys could get better too. OG and Anobi's gotten better every year. Siakam could make a leap forward after kind of stagnating. Van Vliet could get even better. I mean, it's possible. Okay. Scotty Barnes could be really good as a rookie, Chris. He could. He could. That's what I would look forward to if I'm a Raptors fan. Scotty Barnes. I'd get a Scotty Barnes jersey and just be ready to watch him play every night and be excited about it. I agree. All about Scotty Barnes. And and also, being in the lottery is not such a bad thing. 
Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Sasha. All righty. We have one from Ryan. Which revenge game are you looking forward to this coming season? I am looking forward to Rick Carlisle against Luca and the Mavericks. Oh, that's good. I mean, look, the answer is Ben Simmons, wherever he's yep, playing. Yeah. I mean, the Ben Simmons <laughs> Philly game is like, we got to get that on national television for certain, um, no matter who he ends up playing for. So that's the that's the big one. I mean, there's not that money. You, you, you typically want to find guys that are like discarded, you know, so they got some reason to be mad at the former team. So, I mean, I guess like, I mean, it's not going to be like revenge. I mean, they breaking were playing- news, Chris. Breaking oh. news. Oh, the Pistons are signing Luca Garza to a <gasps> new two-year contract. Let's go. According to Sham Sharania, the Let's revenge go. game of the year is Luca Garza every night versus facing the, the teams. Yes, Luca Garza versus the league. Exactly. Versus the Luca Garza versus the world. Yes, um, that's it. That's the revenge game I'm looking forward to. Uh, Dragic. I mean, they replaced him with Lowry. Yeah. So I guess like you know Dragic going back to Miami, uh, Westbrook. He's he's a red ass about everything. So he'll probably try to put up fifty twenty and twenty in Washington. You know, <laughs> playing against them. But I don't know. It's usually something like that. Like the guy that like they didn't want anymore, or they thought they'd be better off without. And so that's the guy that wants to come back and have the huge game. I mean. Little Steven Adams, Jonas Valanciunas showdown. Is <laughs> 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 they uh they got moved for each other? I don't know. I guess Lonzo, Lonzo and the Pelicans. I don't know. You know that playing, Carlisle playing one is good. The Carlisle one's good. It yeah, is. That, I like. I think that's the best one. Yeah, because you know he'll he will he he will prepare for that game for th- two weeks. Oh yeah. There's nothing more that he wants to walk okay, off and see, see Mark Cuban disappointed. We're going to see the Luca defense. That's the, yeah. that's going to be revealed. Luca's going to get like eight points on two of 25 shooting. We'll see. <laughs> and Haralabai will, <laughs> will be sitting in the front row in a Brogdon yeah. jersey. Haralabob. <laughs> 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 uh, yep. News came out this week. He is no longer with the Mavericks officially. Reported that back in June, July, whenever it happened. But I think he's going to be okay. No he owns like half the Bitcoins in the world, I think. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. He'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> what else we got, Sasha? <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from Nate in Sydney. I listen to a ton of NBA podcasts, and I hear a lot about aggregators and podcast hosts saying they don't want to be aggregated plus a sense of fear of aggregation. I've looked it up, and I still don't understand why it's such a big deal to NBA media commentators. Can you share your perspective on how it impacts you, and why is it such a big deal to the point that podcasters constantly reference it? Oh, I think that's fair. I, 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 okay. Um, I, I'll speak on this, and then you tell me what you think, Kev. It is two things. The fear of being taken out of context, right? That it's not all that when you are having a long form conversation in podcast form, that you are that that, that many of the things that get spoken about, that if you just extract a sentence and use it as a headline, it doesn't give the full context of what was actually the conversation within a podcast. And so that is one of the fears that that happens to you. And the second thing, 
I would say, and this is probably more important, is that we talk to people all the time throughout the league. Um, if you're if you're in this business, I'm a games throughout the entire year, and I will talk to different people about what's going on with an organization, or I will talk to people about, and then I will share what I have heard on on this podcast. I don't I don't go there and and, and go on Twitter and go everywhere and say source. You know, uh, the Knicks don't like Frank Nilakina or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, or or whatever it may be. Um, and and then you say those things, and sometimes if you don't, you aren't necessarily reporting it as news. But what you're saying is, here's chatter around the league. Here's what people have spoken about. And then when it gets aggregated, it is reported. It's almost as if. It's hard news. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yeah. And that's where that is the difference between conversing, you know, like you and I do about things and breaking news. And sometimes the conversations or things that take place are then almost described as breaking news when that is not what they sure. were intended to be. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think I think what's changed with podcasts, you know, compared to like written word, you know, or even just tweets um, is sometimes like podcasts. It's fun to talk about what you're hearing could happen rather than what will happen. Like, I think I love and I've always loved since I was young discussing the rumors and the, you know, the reports of what what could happen out there, because I think. Like sometimes I don't do a lot of reporting. I, I dip my toes in it here and there when I when I know I have something solid with what could happen. Because I love talking about the theoretical possibilities of stuff that could happen. I think that's important because it 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 shares how teams are thinking and what they're angling for and what they're trying to do, even if what's mentioned or discussed doesn't actually happen. It gives you an idea of how they're thinking about their roster and how they're reviewing the league. And so I find that fascinating to do. But sometimes if it gets aggregated, it can turn into, like you said, a report. Um, And that change and that can like create, you know, problem wise, like as, you know, a writer that can create a perception like, oh, that person was wrong about that. When really it's like, no, we're just discussing and just talking about it. Um, I think I think overall, though. The aggregators, I have no issue with what they do. I think if you say something on a podcast, it's free game. I just think a lot of times aggregators can do a better job at framing stuff or, and this is true, not just for like, you know, hoops rumors, but like even ESPN, when they take a quote card from a podcast and don't, you know, really give credit, I think giving credit can be done better by aggregators and that would smooth out relationships with a lot of the reporters who get pissed off about it. And I think they can also do a better job of framing and contextualizing what is said on podcasts, what is written in in articles and whatever else. And that would smooth out the relationship because I think the overall importance of aggregation it's 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 important because sometimes people don't follow 800 different reporters. They follow the one at NBA Central account and get all their news from there. And that's a way for your news and your reports and what you're hearing about and all the work you're putting in to get distributed out to the world. And so I have no issue with it. I just think the process can be done better. And that's well, all. I'll give you uh, for for everybody that might be even a bit confused about what we're saying. If it, let me give you an example. So let's just, just say something earlier this year. So, yeah, but if but if some team comes to town uh, next week, and I'm talking to some people that are associated with the team, and they tell me, you know, I think we're going to end up moving John Smith. And then you and I are talking about something a week later. I'll be like, you know, when they came to town, I talked to somebody, uh, you know, with that organization that thinks that they could move John Smith. Well, now all of a sudden what happens is somebody puts the headline, somebody puts the tweet, somebody puts everything, and it says, uh, Chris Vernon from the ringer says, uh, you know, so-and-so, uh, whatever the, the Cavs are looking to move John Smith. I'd be like, well, hold on now. You can't trade John Smith. Y- yeah. You know what I mean? And that's no trading that, him. Don't do that, it. That's the concern. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Another yeah, real life yeah. example happened uh, on the Real Ones podcast with Rajah Bell, especially if you are like a basketball player on a podcast, you are going to get aggregated. It's just going to happen. Mm, so Rajah yeah. Bell on a video <laughs> that was framed as like real or fake 
title contenders <laughs> as a former Phoenix Sun said that the Phoenix Suns were not were fake contenders, which they ended up being, by the way. And every single Suns fan lost their goddamn mind, <laughs> right? Like they all lost their minds yeah. and were like, how could you say this? And it was, that's a situation where all the context is stripped because if you watch the video where we have a binary created in this video of like real or fake, do you think they're going to win? Like, do you think they're going to win? No. And then also the context of like the Lakers were not injured and like there were teams that weren't injured at that time when he said it. So everybody just lost their mind and like every single website puts that out. I, I take major issue with Raja saying the Suns were fake. Ah! <laughs> I take major issue with that. <laughs> the, the, the bright future it. Suns, the bright now Suns are not fake. <laughs> Sorry, Raja. I just mean like it's the, the same way where he like he did say that, but also it's completely stripped of con- of context That's when right. it like gets put I'm, out. I'm gonna aggregate him. I'm, <laughs> I'm aggregating him. That, that was me actually. I'm the one who tipped him off. Well, and and and, 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 and let's be honest because. It, the, the people that need to worry about it more are people that are infinitely more famous than us, like Bill Simmons or Orion oh, yeah. Rosillo, and the guys that are reporters like a Brian Windhorse, who everything he says, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and Wendy's probably the one who says it more than anybody. <laughs> yes. Well, because aggregators. everything he says is reported as. Brian Windhorse reports or Brian yeah. Windhorse says, and it's like, damn, man, that that would be a frustrating existence. It's you know? also why basketball players are often uh, don't feel as comfortable coming on podcasts if they don't like really know the the host or like it's another basketball player hosting the podcast because they are worried about something they say getting aggravated and taken completely out of context in a podcast. And and that's why their PR teams oftentimes will be like, don't ask about this. Don't ask yep. about that. And that's why some of these interviews are so boring and plain Jane because their PR teams won't allow the interview if they get asked those questions. I mean, like it's, it's difficult in, in, in media in that sense when it comes to interviewing players, but not always a lot of the time players can come on and shoot the shit and talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about, especially you know? on the real ones podcast on the ringer NBA yes. show with Absolutely. Rashad Bell and Logan Murdoch. They're, they're, nice they're, they're open. They're, they open, <laughs> open, talk openly and have good conversation. I think that that open openness and honesty is better instead of micromanaging and worrying about what aggregators are going to do and how people are going to react for one day. Everything comes and goes on social media nowadays. Absolutely. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It means zilch. It doesn't mean anything. All right, let's knock out one more before we get out of here. I think give us can, a good one. I a think we can one. get to these last two. I think right. Diverno, this one's for you. Is is from Austin in Los Angeles. This one's for Vernon. What is the origin of the term rat team? Rat I've team. been dying to know this since I started listening to the podcast years ago. So there is a guy who I have befriended over the last decade or so. Um, His name is Alan Boston. Alan Boston was one of the greatest college basketball gamblers ever. There's, in fact, a book written by Chad Bilbin that features Alan called The Odds. There's another, there's a documentary called The Best of It, which is really good, and it focuses on Alan. But he has been a lifelong college basketball gambler. Um, Lived in Vegas for many, many years. And I came across Allen as this incredibly opinionated guy and would bring him on during conference tournament and NCAA tournament time, um, you know, and still do to this day in the, in the spring. Um, one of my absolute favorites, cause he is a true authentic and, um, I, I took it from him. I took it from him. He, he would say that, I mean, he's been saying it on for, for years. And I loved it so much. And so I started p- calling people rat teams too. <laughs> it's a, but th- that is a credit to Alan Boston. Yep. It's a, gr- right. it's a great, it's a great term. Rat team. I, yep. every, every time you say it, I, it, it brings joy right. to my soul. Chris. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, <laughs> and, and, and I, I, it's an homage to Alan, uh, my buddy who, um, <laughs> who, who, who used to say that when he was talking team. about these rat teams. And rat every team. every time he said it, I loved it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start calling. It's a great description when yeah. you're trying to <laughs> talk about somebody that ain't worth this shit. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
right, last one. Okay, last one. And then this one is for Kevin from Michael. Shout out KOC for being a Mount Joy fan. They were my first concert. What is your favorite Mount Joy song? Uh, my my favorite Mount Joy song is probably "Dirty Love" off their first album. Um, but the truth is, it's the first three songs off that off that album. "I'm Your Wreck," "Dirty Love," "Silver Lining." It's, it's just an outstanding opener to an album. Um, I'm excited for them. They're on tour now. I just saw them play in LA a couple of weeks ago. That was it was my it was my last concert before the pandemic, and it was my first concert. I guess during the pandemic post vaccine. Um, so saw Mount joy in like December, 2019, and then saw them last month. And now they're on tour again. I think they're in Milwaukee or Chicago or something like that the, this weekend. So um, yeah, shout out to Mount joy Sixers fans in that band. They're all stressed out. They're worried about the Ben Simmons situation. They're on stage, you know, fingers shaking, worried about Ben checking their phone between songs. That's Looking great. for that Woj bomb. Yep. Yeah, they're great. I, I love Mount Joy. Awesome band. Awesome band. Great people, too. Well, by next week, uh, at the beginning of next week, teams are going to be having their media days. They're going to start their training camps. And then Ooh. we have preseason basketball right yeah. around the corner. Thanks Let's to our go. executive producer, Sasha Eschel. As always, Kevin, I will talk to you next week. I look forward to it. Yeah.